right, back again. Are you guys having a good morning so far? Yes. Are you ready to see your fixer-upper? <laughs> oh, man, I just love that. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. I never have a clue what I'm talking about either, but uh, I'm glad you're here. And, and we're going to get into the Word right now. If you want to open your Bibles uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to pick it up where we left off a couple of weeks uh, <clears throat> ago. And uh, there we are, God's Word. We've been talking about God's Word and one of my two favorite subjects. Anybody remember what my two favorite subjects are, uh, Matthew or Malia? Jesus and the Bible, right on, my two favorite subjects. So we've been talking about the Bible and, uh, you know, the roadmap. It's the roadmap to heaven. It's the roadmap for the Christian life. It's really what we need. It's useful for all that God wants to use to teach us, he says, to rebuke us, to correct us, training in righteousness. But you and I, we need to read it. We need to open it. We need to hold on to it. And then we saw, uh, last time we saw where Paul told Timothy to what? What did he tell him? No, that's not what he told him. Preach it, brother. See, I get to say it. So I turn it around on you here. He, was a, he gave him a very, very serious charge that, that he needed to herald, to proclaim the word, this God-breathed word, that, that Timothy needed to be ready, he needed to be willing, he needed to be prepared. You don't just get up and hope that something will happen. To speak it out and to make it clear. And sometimes, uh, like that saying goes, we afflict the comfortable and we comfort the afflicted. We need to do both, right? And what we're going to talk about today is kind of like this whole package, this whole picture. So we have this responsibility, right? We all have this responsibility to listen and to hear, to listen and to hear, to, to, to listen to what God would say by His Word, by, by the Scripture, this Bible that we talk about, that we open, that we read, that we study. But there's something else, too. We need to be discerning. You all know what that means, right? To discern between, like, is this right, is that wrong? To, be, to discern. And we need to be discerning. And let's, let's read this uh, scripture from Acts 17. And I've quoted it before, but it's, it's such a powerful scripture. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So they, they had this eagerness. They wanted to hear the word. They wanted to hear the message. But they were also discerning, right? They also said, well, we need to check this out. And this was the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, if, if the Apostle Paul was here, would you say, wait a minute, Paul, I want to check it out what you just said? But that's what they did, right? I don't care if, you know, Billy Graham is here or, or it doesn't matter who it is that you might really respect, is here speaking, you still need to be discerning. It doesn't matter who it is. You need to listen, carefully listen. 
And that's kind of what we're talking about today. That's what we're looking at today. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, do, do any of you ever have an a, a itch in your ear, way in your ear? Yes. Don't you love that? <laughs> you know, the thing is, we all have this thing, and I'm going to make this point. But, but what do you do when that happens? You reach in your ear with your finger first, right? Right? And, but, you know, if you've got big, fat fingers like I do... What do you do next? Now you get a pencil. Pencil and that eraser gets all kind of waxy and everything. It's kind of gross, but you know you, you get that pencil in there. And if that doesn't work, then what do you do? That's right. Now they tell you right on the package, do not put this in your ear canal. Right? Do not put this in your ear canal. How many of you Follow that instruction. One. Some of you people are so, you're freaked out by that. Like, oh no, I'm going to poke it in. Well, don't, you know, be careful and you'll be all set. You've got this itch though, right? And, and you've got an itch, maybe you've got a bite on your skin somewhere. And what does your mother say to you? What does she say? Don't scratch it. Like, that is the most ridiculous thing anybody could ever say to you. Don't scratch it. Like, it itches. I got to do something, right? You get bit by a mosquito. I'm just going to look at it, and it's going to go away. That's itching is going to go away, right? It doesn't happen, right? So you get this soothing oil, and you just kind of you know, drop it in. You know, you put that in your ear or whatever. But why... Does your mother say, don't scratch it? You make it worse, and pretty soon you're gonna, it's going to start bleeding. How many of you scratch until it starts bleeding? Yeah, that's what happens. You know? Say, well, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know. <laughs> but I like the picture. It says geek in the corner. Wise geek. Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Why? For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Itching ears. Let's pray. Father, we pray that that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, the, the things that we need to hear. Help us to understand. Help us to be willing to listen to you in Jesus' name. Notice he says in that verse that the time will come. And do you think that that time is now? Do you think that the time is here? Well, I, you know, I think, I think it was a problem then. But I think it's a problem now, too. I think it's a huge problem now. I think it, you know, I don't know, but maybe especially now because I think maybe because that I have this 
feeling, and, and, and I can't give you a date or anything, and I'm not going to, but there, we're like in the last of the last days. We kind of see this thing happening. I read a very interesting article uh, the other day about, you know, kind of the global situation of, of getting rid of borders and that, and, and it kind of, you know, opened, opened my eyes to kind of this whole one world government kind of thing that the Bible talks that would come, and that we're kind of heading in that direction. We see it. You can look around and see it. But, but when I look around at the church, I kind of see what Paul is talking about here, and it's, it's like scary. It's a scary thing to me. And these are not just what we call the liberal churches, right? This is like in the mainstream. This is in the churches that always were considered to be conservative, considered to be right on, and now it's like, this kinds of thing, the kinds of things that I'm talking about today are like going in and, and, and we're, 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 we're heading in that direction. He says the time will come. And so whether it was just then or it's sometime in the future, I think we need to understand that it certainly is now happening. He says that, that men will not put up with sound doctrine. I mean, that phrase alone, that's scary. He, he says they won't endure, they won't put up with sound doctrine. I won't put up with it. Is that, I mean, do you say that to God? I mean, where does the doctrine come from? It comes from God's word. It comes from God himself. And so we say, I'm not going to put up with sound doctrine. You're saying to God, I, you know, I can't be bothered. I, I can't, I'm not going to put up with that. That's a pretty scary phrase, don't you think? You know, that I won't put up with God's word. Whoa. That's, that's humanism at its finest, right? And that's where we are. Human, you know, it's all centered around the human. It's all centered around me. It's all centered around what I want, what I like, what I think. And that's what Paul's talking about then. You know, how long ago was this that he wrote these words? But we see it today, here in 2016. But it's like that, that old saying, you know, don't, confu don't confuse me with the truth or the facts. Why? Because my mind's made up. I've got, you know, my feelings about this, this thing here. But look what he says there, that, that the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine instead... Instead of sound doctrine, they're going to have something else in its place, right? And he says that in verse 4, too, turning, turning away from the truth and turning aside to miss. It's like a change of direction. How do you like this? This is kind of where we're at here. This is kind of cute. It's kind of funny. But, but this is really what, where we're at. You know, you can make it funny, but this is where we're at, Right? They're holding these signs up to the preacher so he can listen and do according to what they... Remember how much money I give. Make sure there are stuff for my kids. Tell me again how much God wants to bless me. Please refer to sin as bad choices. Don't mention hell. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And then the guys in the back, you think he can't see those? Tell me. I can't see it. Tell me how to get rich. Tickle my ears. If you don't do things my way, 
What can Jesus do for me? Be relevant. No cross here, only good news. You say, well, that could never happen in a church. Well, I want to tell you something else. This is happening in the church. Today, in our country, especially in our country, this is what we're looking at. Instead of the truth, instead of the word, to suit their own desires, or the word is the same one is translated lusts, to suit their own lust desires. You know, what I want, what I desire, this is what I want to hear. There's this kind of a common practice, and, and uh, it really kind of came out of, you know, Madison Avenue, uh, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, you know, let's take a survey, right, and find out what people really want to hear. And then I am going to preach I'm going to speak according to what the survey said, right? So where is that focusing? It's focusing on what the people want. That, if you took a survey, that's kind of what you would see nowadays. Don't say anything that's like harsh. Don't say anything that like might, you know, hurt someone's feelings or, you know, not be politically correct or inclusive or all the other buzzwords that we have today. That's scary, but that's where we are. I'm telling you, I, I, I sense that, you know, even when I get up to speak every week that I, I need to be careful, but, but I need to be faithful and true to what the Word says first. Amen. He's already crying over there. You know, what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. What we want to hear, not what we need to hear. Now that, don't misunderstand me, that doesn't mean that we don't try uh, to gauge where the needs are. We don't try to understand, you know, that people are having trouble in this area and that area. We try to speak, you know, relevant words that apply to our daily lives, to where we're at. We need to do that. We have to do it. We absolutely have to do it. If it's just some book that doesn't apply to life, but I believe God's word applies to our lives every single day in every single way. But he says here, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. To say what their itching ears want to say. I like this picture a little bit too. What is the itching ears message? Look how happy everybody is. The sheep are rejoicing, right? There's only one problem. Where is it coming from? You know, it's this, this itching ears thing is, is really the message is tell me what I want to hear. Just tell me what I want to hear. Don't tell me anything difficult, you know, that, that might convict me. Don't, you know, it might rebuke me. One, uh, one commentator said this, you know, about the word being spoken and the message of the itching ears. He said it would be things that allow us 
to continue in the lifestyles and practices with which we are comfortable. So just tell me things that are going to make me comfortable doing what I do right now, the lifestyle that I have right now. But what if that lifestyle is from the world and not from the Word? There's a, there's a difference sometimes, right? Not always. Which one should, should we... Well, I'm not going to talk about that because that's going to offend somebody. You, you know, I don't know if you realize this is, this is the reality of where we are today. It's getting worse and worse in Massachusetts. You know, there is, it's becoming, uh, there's a court case that is going on around with this whole bathroom thing. It's, it's kind of like going in that direction. The, they signed a law in there. There's now six churches that are in a lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts. And this is just the beginning, but we should be praying for that lawsuit. As a matter of fact, the church that, that you know, Angelina goes to is one of those six churches on that lawsuit. This is the society that we live in today. You can't speak against anything. Do we conform to the word or do we conform to the world? Do we conform to the word or do we have what's taught conform to us? That's the choice. Do we just have it, you know, do I just conform everything to where you are and who you are? I, Paul told Timothy to preach the word. Not, not preach, you know, what makes people happy, what, what is going to put a smile on their face. Warren Wiersbe said this, many church attenders do not want healthy or sound doctrine. Instead, they want religious entertainment from Christian performers. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be boring. Well, I'm just going to read the Bible to you, you know, and put you to sleep. Some of you are asleep already, and it, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm acting as crazy as I possibly can here, and you're still going to sleep, so that doesn't necessarily going to change anything. I remember hearing this story when uh, this friend, he was in Bible school, right? And, uh, and uh, one of the guys in, in the class fell asleep during the Bible, you know, class in Bible college. You know, they're preparing to be pastors. And he's falling asleep and he fell asleep. And so they had this, this practice at the end of the class where, you know, teacher would ask one of the people to pray to close the class, right? So the guy next to him, you know, tapped him and said, teachers want you to close in prayer. Well, the class was like only halfway through. So he jumps up and prays, oh, Lord, thank you for this class. And everybody looks at him like. So don't be surprised if somebody taps you on the shoulder, asks you to pray. Is it going on in our society today? Is it going on in our, on our church today? You know what? You don't have to look very far. I notice he said in this verse, he says, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers. You know, I can't even, the list is, would be so long if we tried to make a list of different people who are espousing like weird or aberrant or different or unusual, but, but 
extra-biblical or unbiblical kinds of teachings, kinds of messages. I'll give you a couple examples because some of you, you know, you, you uh, haven't heard about some of these. But, but really, the, the one that's very prevalent today is the health and wealth, right? Now, I thought, you know, that, that's been around since I first became a believer. But you know what? I thought it would just be a fad that would go away. But it's just gotten bigger and, and kind of more subtle and kind of stronger. You know, that, that God owes you. And if you say the right things, if you pray the right prayers, then God is going to bless you with money, with health. You, you know, don't ever say that you're sick because that's a, that's a negative confession. The health and wealth, the prosperity, there's a lot of different names, the word, faith kind of thing. It's, a, it's this thing that is, it, you know, what about the guy in Sudan? Are you going to go tell him that? You know, it, this message only works in very affluent kinds of places and countries. And, and the guys, you know, one of the reasons they do it, of course, and these guys do this so because they can profit from it, Right? Another one is, is so popular today is universal. universalism. There's two different kinds of that. Universal meaning everybody will be saved because of what Jesus did. And the other one is everybody will be saved no matter which path you go down. It's all just kind of universal. We're all going to get there one way or another. And all paths lead to what? All paths lead to God. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Right? I think the, the thing that gets, uh, you know, starts to get into, you know, get, gets, makes us a little more uncomfortable when, when uh, it's this thing that there's no sin, no such thing as sin, there's no hell, there's no devil, there's no change necessary, there's no personal accountability. We, you know, we, we're saved by the blood of Jesus, and you know what? That is what? True. But does it just mean that we just do whatever we want and live like the world because he saved us and because we're going to go to heaven? Paul said, God forbid that that would be so, that we would, you know, we would uh, kind of really thumb our nose up at the grace of God. You know, I, I, I debate whether to, to say this or not, but... <clears throat> The biggest church in America is teaching false, idiotic, aberrant nonsense. You know, the, the pastor just came out with a new book, or fairly recently, called The Power of I Am. Have you, have you heard of it? The Power of I Am. Now, when I, if I said to you, I wrote a book about the power of I am, what would you think? That you're talking about God, right? The Bible, Exodus says he's the great I am. He is the I am that I am. The one, you know, who shall I say sent me? Tell them that I am sent me. It's, and, and really the word Yahweh is, is, this, is a, a form of this word. I am that I am that I am. Kind of this is the one. But that's not what this guy's saying. 
the power of I am. And then he says, these two powerful words is then you, you take those two words and you put good stuff at the end and it's going to change your life. I am beautiful. I am rich. I am, you know, whatever positive thing you want to put onto that, that you're going to create your reality. It's sad. This same pastor, though, he has said that, that I will not use the word sin, I will not use the word hell, and I will not use the name of the devil. I won't, I won't even use those. Well, how are you going to get to heaven if you don't know that you need Jesus because you're a sinner? You know what? Uh, this is all to make people happy and and, and, and I want to be happy. I want to make you happy. I'm going to tickle your ears. Why? So that I can have a multi-million dollar mansion somewhere? It's scary. Is it in America? Yes, it's in America. This is the largest church in America today. The largest church in America This goes back, though, doesn't it? Isaiah said, these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the sayers, see no more visions. And, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Just tell us good stuff. That's all we want to hear. I don't know, somehow uh, the rest of it isn't on there, but the, the rest of uh, the, the passage says, leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel, the prophet said. You know what, I give examples of different churches, but you know what, I, thinking about this, it's not just other people. It is, it is us. It's in, it is in us. It's in you and me to want to just hear the good stuff. You know, I don't want to hear any bad news. I don't want to hear anything that's going to make me uncomfortable. But you and I, we need to ask ourselves, what do I need to hear? You know, Psalm, uh, Psalm 139 at the end, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. What? And know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We have got to ask God to search our hearts, search our lives, search our thoughts. What do we need to hear? Not what, just what we want to hear. Of course, that's for every one of us. The other side of it is the, is the preacher who would bow to the pressure of the itching ears, right? And again, it's no excuse to be boring but why, why would a preacher do that? What do you think? Got to keep the people in the church coming every week. Okay, to keep the numbers up, yeah. We're going to count noses and nickels, right? This is, I've heard that. Someone else said something else over here. To avoid confrontation. I don't want to confront anybody, say something you might not like. Because, because why? Because we want to be liked too. You know? 
I remember uh, when we lived in England uh, many, many years ago, you know, we heard this, you know, because after church, they, they had this thing, they would, they would uh, you know, put the roast in the oven, right? And then it'd be ready when they got home. You just walk in the door and it's all ready and everything. But, but, but a lot of people, they go home and they have roast pastor for lunch, <laughs> right? I can't believe what he said. I can't believe what he was trying to tell us. Everybody likes, I don't want you guys to go home and roast me when you get home. But you know what? To, to be popular, to be, to be like, that's, that's, that's in me too. That's in every one of us. We don't want people not to like us unless you're really weird. It's so much easier if nobody likes me. I can just do my own thing. Why else? For greed, I think. And I mentioned that already. To make money. If I say things you want to hear, you're going to keep coming. And, and especially if I say things like, well, you know, if you give, you will get. And, you're, you know, your coffers are going to get big because our coffers are big. And, and pretty soon you'll be driving a... What did you say? Say that right in here. Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty soon you'll be driving the Lamborghini down, you know, Main Street in East Greenwich. Oh boy. <laughs> I hope you don't have a Lamborghini. <laughs> but if you do, can I drive? I'd love to drive. I would love to drive. You know, serious. Someone, some of those says, you know, not that, not that having money is bad. It's that the money has you. That's the bad part. So we're just going to take an offering right now. But Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. He says, we're not doing this for money. We're not doing this to make profit. He says, you know, on the contrary, we're doing this because we speak before God. And that's what Paul told Timothy, right? In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge. Paul said we were like men sent from God. You know, it's a very serious thing. You, you're going to get up in front of people. You better have God's word to give to people and not your own. I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 22. Uh, we, we got enough time here. Let's turn back to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings, that's way back, right? 1 Kings chapter 22. There, you know, uh, I talk about, you know, the Old Testament and, and reading the Old Testament. Is it, you know, is it hard? Sometimes it is, but there's some incredible, incredible accounts of things that actually happen. These are not just stories. These are, these are accounts of things that happen. And in 1 Kings chapter 22, we're talking about two kings here. We're talking about the king of Israel and the king of Judah. And we're also talking about 401 prophets. 400 
and one, prophets. Let's uh, start in verse 6. Actually, in verse 5, Jehoshaphat, they, they wanted to know if they should go to this battle, right? And, and uh, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, he said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. Verse 6, so the king of Israel brought together the prophets about 400 men and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. 400 said that. Now, that's kind of the majority, right? That's like all the ones he brought said that. So, well, if everybody's saying it, if all the churches are doing it, maybe that's what we should say and that's what we should do, right? Wrong. If it's not in the Bible, if it's not what God says. Verse 7, but Jehoshaphat asked, is there not a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? And the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one man through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He's Micaiah, the son of Imlah. The king should not say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. And they're sitting there in their royal robes there and everything. Jump down to verse 11. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenanana, you say that. <laughs> He's one of these prophets, right? He had made iron horns and he declared, this is what the Lord says. With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. And all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack! Ramoth Gilead, and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Whose name are they using? Who are they trying to speak for? For Yahweh, the Lord. Now the messenger, verse 13, who had gone to summon Micaiah, said to him, Look, let me give you some advice, right? As one man, the other prophets are predicting, in other words, all of them, as one, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Let me give you some advice. Just go along, follow along, say what everybody else says. Everything's going to be cool here. But Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Verse 15, when he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? This is interesting. What does he say? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. He said what they all said, right? But look at verse 16. The king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? In other words, I can tell that you're just saying that now. I know that you're just saying that because whatever. I don't, know if, I don't know if Micaiah was just kind of messing with him or what. I don't quite know why he did that. But look what his true answer was in verse 17. He says, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you? He never prophesied anything good about me, but only bad. Why? Because he was, he was a wicked king anyways. No wonder. If he'd been on the right path, maybe he'd hear, you know, he'd hear a, or one or two uh, 
good words. I can only tell him what the Lord tells me. You know what? When you read the rest of the account, which we're not going to do now, that's exactly what happened. They were wiped out. Which message would you want to deliver? Let me ask you that. The truth or one that sounded good? And again, we all, we all face these kinds of pressures. How about, let's turn to the New Testament, though. Ephesians chapter 4. We've got a couple minutes left. Let's, let's get with it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. You got it? He's speaking about the ministry, really, who God gave to serve the church, those who administer to the church. He says it was he, that is God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. He gave. God gave these gifts, these callings, right? But why? He said, he said to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of cunning and by the every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. What is the ministry supposed to do? What is the, those that God had given uh, to speak to the church to do? It's to protect people, right? It's to, you know, bring them to maturity, to help them grow up, to help them understand so that they will not be pushed around by every new wind of doctrine that blows through the church. And in my time, I've seen a lot of them blow in and blow out. Some are still blowing around out there. You know, the latest fad doctrine, right? That the latest fad that will blow into the church. The ministry, he says here, is to, to help bring maturity To speak the truth in love, but watch out, to be discerning. There's the cunning and the craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Well, if I just do it like this, you know, the offering will probably go up. Well, if I just say it like this, they're going to bring their friends. Well, if I just do it like this, Say, well, is it wrong to, for you to bring your friends? Of course not. Please bring your friends. But know that we're going to speak the truth. We're going to speak God's word. We're not just going to, you know, say some kind of story that's going to make you happy. Happy, happy. The last uh, verse, and I've got it up here for you, they will turn away from the truth and they will turn aside to myths. That's really what it is. It's, it's a deliberate 
the word talks about a deliberate turning. That people would willfully, one person wrote, turn away from those who teach the truth of God's word. Their ears will itch for doctrines that are pleasing and comfortable. Teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. But an interesting thing in the, the King James uh, Version Study Bible said this last word for turn aside is actually a medical term that means to twist out of place. So, so you know, what, what is the, the end game here? What happens when they're teaching this false doctrine and, and because that's what the people want so that's what I'm going to give the people well they get twisted right out of place they get twisted up this same commentator says this it's a poor exchange to sacrifice truth for fables it's a poor exchange be on your guard Last passage I want to turn to you together as we close here, 2 Peter chapter 3. So you got to go forward from Ephesians there, 2 Peter chapter 3, almost to the end. James, Peter, John, Jude, Revelation, right? How many of you know the books of the Bible? Ooh, that hurts. I'm going to start teaching you. I did this years ago, teaching the, the books of the Bible in simple ways that I found to kind of help me remember. Right? Right, Matthew? What are the numbers? Yes. Okay, 512, 5512. How many of you remember that? 512, 5512. This is the sections of the Old Testament, so you can kind of know what they are. We're, we're not going to do that today. We don't have time. But we're in the New Testament here, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. This is fascinating to me. This is Peter the Apostle talking about Paul the Apostle, right? That's what he says in verse 15. He said, Paul wrote, Paul wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Look at verse 16. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. The matter was salvation. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Peter was saying that about Paul. Paul is writing things that are hard to understand. Are there stuff you don't understand? Well, Peter had stuff, you know, had trouble understanding some of the stuff that Paul wrote too. And I do. We all do. Peter, if Peter had trouble. Oh, you can say, well, he's just a fisherman. Well, have you read First and Second Peter? The guy, God was working in that guy incredibly, right? Read what he preached in the book of Acts. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Ignorant and unstable people, they distort what? They distort the word of God. They distort the scripture. We need to be on guard. Timothy starts off, and uh, Paul starts off in 1 Timothy talking about teaching needs to be sound, needs to be right, needs to be good. And, and this theme follows throughout, but it's all in the Bible. This uh, illustration that I've given before, but it's such a powerful one, you know, the, the church that has the sign, and, and maybe it's a, 
Maybe it's a stone across the, you know, an English country church and a stone that has in it engraved, we preach Christ crucified, right? And that's powerful. But then like a lot of, uh, a lot of places in England where the, where the ivy grows, right? And, and, and it, in years, it takes years, but this ivy grows up. I remember we were at this, this huge uh, place out in the country, uh, and, and, you know, it'd be, it was like hundred, hundreds of years this ivy was growing, and one of the guys went out there and cut it all down, thinking he was doing a service, right? But the ivy growing up and covering the words gradually, right? First of all, you know, it started growing up and then it, it covered the crucified, right? We preach Christ crucified. Without, without that, what do we have? You know, that's what the, the, the context there in 1 Corinthians 1, that the cross, it's all about the cross for us. And, and to some, it's, you know, it's foolishness or it's weakness, but the cross is not. It's the wisdom of God. It's the power of God. So, so that, you know, begin to, to not be there. We're not going to, we're going to do that cross thing. No, get that out of there. So then it's they preach Christ. But then after a while, you know, that ivy's still growing, right? And then it says they preach. Well, we don't really need to confront people with Christ. We don't really need to bring that up. We can just preach. I noticed none of you said preach it, brother. Because it's preach the word, right? Preach Christ, right? Somebody said this, that, you know, there were men who came and they preached Christ, Christ the example, Christ the humanitarian, Christ the ideal teacher. And the years passed, the ivy grew, and finally it said, we preach. And, it, and they did. Economics, social gospel, book reviews, whatever else. But, you know, I kind of extrapolate and follow on to the end. You know, pretty soon it, we don't even preach anymore. It's just we. Let's just get together and talk about us. Right? And what's the final? Pretty soon that's gone too. Pretty soon there's nothing. In a place that used to preach Christ crucified, we got to hold on. We got to be discerning. We got to be on guard. Because this is the world we live in today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we have. We have it spelled out so clearly, Lord, and forgive us for every, excuse me, every one of us wanting to hear only what we want to hear. We don't want to be confronted with the Holy One of Israel. We want to just hear pleasant things. But God, you know what we need. You know our hearts, you know, you know that what's down in there. Lord, we do pray along with David, search me and know me. Know my heart, know my thoughts. Test me, see if there's anything wicked in me and, and lead me in the right way, the way of everlasting. God, we need you. Help us. Guide us, Lord. Give us that discernment, Lord, that as we... Uh, are built up in the faith that we would know right from wrong, that we would know truth from error. 
Father, protect us, each one of us, Lord. Protect our church, Lord, this church, that we would never go off on some weird tangents. Lord, we, we are not proud enough to say that we are immune. Lord, we're, we are we're just as human as the next. We're full of human sinners, and we need your protection, Lord. We humble ourselves before you today. But we close this morning, Lord, in, in uh, thinking about Christ and Him crucified, that, that at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, where our lives are changed, where we're forgiven of all of our sins, where, where eternal life, the price has been paid for us. I, I pray each one of us would know that truth. And, and maybe there's someone here today who's never received Jesus as Lord, as Savior. That's you today. And you know, all you have to do is, is surrender. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And all you do is, is confess and, and say, I, I'm a sinner. And, and pray and say, Lord, come into my life. I believe in you. I believe in the cross. I receive you into my life, into my heart. Forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. That I might be yours forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?